Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My name is Brona Taggart, and you're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast. Hi, my name's Jonathan Harden and you are listening to episode 10, believe it or believe it not, of the Honest Actors Podcast, sponsored, as always, by Today Ticks. If you want great offers on theatre tickets, access to day seats on your mobile and exclusive front row lotteries, you need Today Ticks, the ticketing app that lets you see theatre differently. To get tickets with no queues and no fuss, download Today Ticks now from the App Store and Google Play. Do it. See, uh, I've been waiting for this episode for a long, long time. It has been a long time coming and has been the subject of much debate in my home. You'll find out why in a little bit, but here it is. Episode 10 of the Honest Actors Podcast with Bruna Taggart. Enjoy. 30 seconds ago, I pressed record to do the ident and you said two words. Worst nightmare. <laughs> What's going on there? want to do this and you made me do it. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I just uh, have never been comfortable with the uh, whole just talking about myself. Um, We're going to get around to chatting about why that is but before we get to that as a way in how did you get into acting? Um. I got into acting uh, what I think is relatively young. Um, I think I had an idea that I wanted to be an actor when I was very small. Um, according to my mom and dad, I was about four. Um, and I said, yeah, I wanted to be an actor when I grew up. And um, there wasn't really much to do in Belfast uh, during the 80s if you wanted to get into acting. so. It took me a while to kind of find clubs and theatres that were putting on like productions and things like that. But I think it was when I went to my secondary school, which had a an amazing um, drama department that um, I started to audition for things um, and do like theatre work, professional theatre work um, as a as a school kid, really. Um, I think the first show I did uh, at the Lyric Theatre in Belfast, I was about 13, so that was probably like my first show and it was a professional gig and um, I think we were getting paid, I can't even remember, but we uh, got out of school early um, 
as we sometimes had matinees, but every night we were on stage doing uh, the kind of adult Christmas show. If you didn't get paid, maybe you could kind of contact Equity and get that chased up, <laughs> back pay, plus maybe. Really glad I did this time. <laughs> um, so, theatrical family, performance, interested family? Zero. Um, no, I don't mean they weren't interested. I mean, they're interested in me as an individual. <laughs> like, we're not interested in growing up full stop. Um, but in terms of uh, performance, no, like uh, not even, I can't even find anyone in cousins, aunts, uncles, nothing. Definitely not my mom and dad. Definitely not my brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, I was just seen as a bit of a um, an odd one, like... Uh, when you know, and they'd meet like people out at the shops and stuff when you were away, and you were like kind of beside the trolley just waiting, and they were always like, oh, "This one's into acting. She's gonna be an actor. I don't know where we got her from." Like I don't know how many times I heard the phrase, "We don't know where we got her from." Like so, it was always just a a surprise in the family. Like my, I remember my mom and dad looking at me running around the house performing and thinking, "I honest, you know, we honestly don't know where where you came from or where you got this bug." What's your your earliest memory then of performing, not necessarily on stage, but of putting on a show? I think I was always, always at it from like a young age. Um, I don't know what the earliest, <laughs> earliest one is. This is really embarrassing. Um, but like the ones that my mum and dad tell me about, the ones I've seen photographs of are um, performing every Thursday night when Top of the Pops was on. Um <laughs> in full costume, um, in the living room, push the chairs back. I think my mum had to take like my brothers and sisters out on a Thursday night because it was only my dad left in the house and looked really, really um, like he didn't want to be there. But like I, I took over the living room and danced to Top of the Pops. Like um, I, I remember your, enjoying that kind of thing. What was your showstopper? Madonna. I think I remember I had a Madonna number. I don't know what it was. I've seen photographs of a really disturbing outfit that I um, made up myself upstairs and then made an entrance and yeah, just danced around the living room to Top of the Pops. I don't know why because um, I'm not exactly like musical theatre. <laughs> so I don't know why Top of the Pops uh, was my thing. But I, I, I remember going to see um, a pantomime. I was talking about this with my mum actually recently because we're home in Belfast and the theatre's not there anymore, the arts um, theatre. And she said, she says, do you remember going there? And I says, yeah, I remember you took me to a pantomime there to see Puss in Boots and I must have been tiny. And she remembered it too. And then she said about there was a, a an actress that played the cat in Puss in Boots and she didn't say anything. She must have been like a a physical performer and I was just I was totally entranced by this um girl playing the cat and I just thought this pantomime was like the best best show ever I like I'd ever seen and I came home and I um pretended to be a cat for I don't know whether a few days a week I don't know but um at which point your mom and dad decide we have to do something about this yeah they were really good that way um because they were clueless and as I say, like I, I don't, I wouldn't know if I was a parent in eighties Belfast, and my child turned around and says, "I wanted the act." Like, where would you even start? I remember actually, I know what they did. They got the um, 
they got the yellow pages because that's what you did. You got the yellow pages that had everything. And Psychotherapists. Yeah, Psychotherapists. maybe that's what they were looking at. Aversion therapy. Aversion. <laughs> that might have turned out better. Um, but um, they looked up, they were just looking for anything to do with drama. They were just, I remember them sitting down and looking through the book and just like baffled. They're like, what are we going to do for it? Because they were really good that way in terms of like, as kids, if we said we were into something, they, they thought it was a good sign and they tried to get us um, a class or something kind of related to it. Um, the nearest thing they could find, though, was um, at first it was speech and drama. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But it was the only thing that was kind of uh, nearby that we could get to at a weekend and it was the kind of only thing that was um, related to acting. Okay, so there's a kid who is pretending to be a cat who <laughs> is prancing around the living room as Madonna but turning it, looking at you as an adult, doesn't turn into a West End performer in terms of musicals and speech and drama wasn't close enough to what it is you thought even then you wanted to do. When is the first time you remember doing something that felt right, like you fitted, like it was what you'd been chasing or looking for? Do you know what? It was probably um, my secondary school. It was probably our drama class. I remember in first year, our first drama class. I, I couldn't get over, like, for a start, that twice a week we were going to have an hour-long session of just drama. Twice a week? We got it twice a week. Twice a week? Yeah, I remember us getting it like on a Monday and a Friday huh. or something. What did you get? Once a week for an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, that's why you weren't as good as No, we took us a long time to catch up, <laughs> like in fairness. We were behind by an hour a week over seven years. So what is that? Like, it's a lot. No, I think we started off as like two hours a week. Well, the school itself was very, uh, they, were, they were known for its drama department. It was a school that like the BBC and any films and stuff were in town, like that, that's where they went. If they were casting girls, Belfast girls for anything, they went to St. Louise's. Um, so it was already known for that and that was why I went there. I, it's I, not I all it's known for in fairness, St. Louise's. I'm just saying for those listeners who may not be aware of St. Louise's Comprehensive College, the Brown Bombers, that when you, say, when, you say, when you say, film producers to BBC but go to it implies I think to the outsider that this is like the cream of the cream of the cream right oh no 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 right? they went there for a very different reason right, yeah okay. it was it was on a very notorious road in Belfast uh, especially during the troubles it was called the Balls Road and it was still is <laughs> right that's right um, they yeah on the Falls Road a very famous uh road in Belfast and it was a very it was at the time it was the largest single sex school in Europe and um, when I went there there was close on 3,000 pupils all girls and it was um, a large Catholic uh, comprehensive college run by nuns and um, I suppose we were considered very real Belfast girls which is why we were yeah probably, you were very uh, Megley, um all right, Belfast Jonathan, we kids. all can't just sit up in our Rathmore listen, uniform. Let's not make this about <laughs> education system in Northern Ireland. I think that's of limited interest beyond our uh, dining room. So at this that was, point... It was the drama class at St. Louise's that we, for an hour, we would get into imp like improvisations. I thought that was amazing. Like The teacher taught us to get up, give us a scenario, and away you go. And 
like I, whenever the bell would go for the class to stop that's what I hated I, do, I just thought that was brilliant an hour of just like you know kind of getting lost and things making things up kind of so becoming characters that becomes and, a weekly thing most of the year all the way up to the time that you leave school over the course of that at 13 you do the thing at the lyric um are there any other professional jobs between then and leaving or is it mostly um we got i can't like i can't remember specifics but we would have um we auditioned regularly for things i remember auditioning oh no we're not allowed to mention i remember auditioning for things like um in the name of the father and um which was a big massive film and we got to audition with like Daniel Day-Lewis who came to the school um, and all our mums and dads had told us to try and get this autograph of this like famous English actor but we were so confused because we were only in the room improvising and doing scenes with this guy from Belfast but it turns out he was already <laughs> he was already doing the Belfast accent we didn't know we didn't know who he was but like it was things like that we were doing not not every week but you know every few months that that was kind of thing BBC would be in for dramas um uh theater you know as I said like the lyric and stuff so um I think I remember doing the odd pieces here and there. It obviously wasn't allowed to interrupt our schoolwork like that much, but um, they knew that, you know, the girls that were serious about drama and the drama teachers always tried to help us to be released, to kind of go and do like little bits of film and little bits of, you know, theatre uh, workshop days or readings. I remember doing um, theatre readings in like the Mac and um, places like that, you know, we would... We would have experience. I thought that was great getting that experience as a school kid. I just thought it was amazing because I, I don't know how how much that would have been on offer like elsewhere. Yeah. So jumping forward then and kind of concluding this section, I guess we've already had a first professional gig at thirteen. But as you admitted, your memory of that isn't entirely clear as to how that you know in terms of how professional it was, where you paid, all that stuff. And I guess as well, um, at 13, were there other kids? Were you sharing performances yeah, and stuff we like were, that? Yeah, there was other so like, school kids. So what is the first stuff. time then uh, after school that you stood on a stage and were the only person playing the role in the company and knew that you were getting paid at the end of the week? Uh, that wasn't until after um, uni, actually. Um, we did productions in uni and... Um, Probably the less said about those, the better. But um, it was after that I, we I graduated um, from Queens, um, and I was really well thought I was really really lucky. I got cast. I think that summer, like you know, we just graduated, and I got cast at the end of that summer in um, a production with a one of the big kind of theater companies in in Belfast, which was going to be their kind of autumn show that was my first kind of theatre um credit like my adult role how'd that feel amazing at that point in terms of what your expectations were for your career can you remember did you think yeah that- i remember um it was myself um another uh guy that i'd went to uni with a, fr- a friend um and then i knew i knew one of the other actors as well um 
we were all cast together and I remember thinking this is a really good sign because I've only graduated like a month ago and I'm already like employed um, and rich the making 400 quid a week they're going to pay me to do this um, whereas before it was just the odd payment here and there I was like I'm going to get paid every week to do this and if like you know if I was truthful I probably would have done it for free at that stage um, it was just I just thought this was the step up I just thought this is this is how it begins um, I thought it was a really good sign you know and I loved I loved every but what were your expectations beyond that do you remember thinking did you or did you think that the, what given expectations for what would come after? Did you think yeah, that this is thought, me on the road? Well, this is great because this is um, this is a, a theatre company in in Belfast. So the other theatre companies are going to see me. Um, maybe you know I'll get I'll get auditions in Dublin. Maybe maybe I'll maybe this is it. Maybe I can just head over to London and you know who knows? I just thought it's a platform. It was it was doing for me. It was so big because it was doing the job. I I was suddenly on the same level as the actors that I had been growing up watching in Belfast, and I I would I went to the theater when I was younger, thanks to school, and I I, I saw loads of familiar faces, actors that I just wanted to be. I just thought they were living the dream and could, and wanted their job, and suddenly um, I graduated and with with this job offer I was I was one of them like you know I was bumping into them like you know they were um in and out of like the theatre company or they were coming to see the show you know that that was that was the really weird night seeing seeing those actors that I I would watch like you know they were older than me but like they were suddenly in watching the show that I was in and it was crazy I remember like there was little po- like there was posters and um, flyers and stuff for it, and it was my face on the flyer and on the poster and it was just like this is this is crazy but it was more it was more it was more like feeling like one of the actors feeling like a real actor like that was that was definitely the feeling you got from that like first offer like you felt I don't know like and did it work out like that? I mean, did it, how long did that sustain itself for? Um, no, it didn't. I mean, I was hoping that it was just going to keep on leading from job to job to job. I, it, it, I think I got an, another couple of jobs after that. God, they weren't in any, I think I did TIE after that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, an experience. Um, but I was again. I, I don't remember complaining. I just thought this is amazing. I'm I'm acting every every day. I'm getting up and I'm acting. And you're getting paid. And I'm getting paid. And I'm with actors. And I'm and people know that I'm working. And like you know, and people were still seeing it. And um, and then I probably experienced the first kind of few months off or, you know, whatever it was. Um, well, however long it was, and. Uh, and then I kind of realized like, oh, this isn't going to just, I'm not going to just move from job to job without a, you know, with no break. It's going to, there's going to be the periods of unemployment. Oh, yes. We're going to get to that. So before we move on to anything approaching um, those kinds of things, I always ask people if there is a single show or production of any kind, any medium, which for those people listening that don't know of them, have never heard of them. And the t- and the ident has been really their introduction to your voice and you. What 
would you, what job would you choose? And because I've let everyone else have two, I'll let you have two as well. Oh. What two jobs might you choose that identify you as an actor that either you're proud of more than others or that are significant for whatever reason you see uh, fit? What are those two things? Um, one of them is probably um, like an early, early performance. It was years ago. God, I'm trying to think how many years ago. Um, it's probably 20 years ago, is it? No, no, no. It's probably about 18 years ago or something like that. Um, and it's purely because it was the scariest thing I'd ever done to that point in, 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 in acting. And that was a one-woman show um, where it was just me on the stage for uh, an hour, guts of an hour. And uh, a show called Limbo. And... Um, and for it's for that protecting <laughs> feeling, um, and it just purely for that for that reason. I remember just um, it was the scariest scariest thing, but um, being very proud that I'd got through it and that it had you know gone okay, and um, that for that reason because yeah, that would have that would stand that that will always always stand out. Um, Wherever I see other people in like one person shows, like I like to be able to go. I've attempted that. <laughs> I know what that's like because it is so lonely and it's so hard. And, and sometimes I still kind of think, what the hell was I like? You know, think I, I try to think, well, did I like hesitate or whatever? But I didn't because it was just a crack and roll and it was a crack and opportunity and I just jumped in. But yeah, it was yeah so. For that reason, I would choose a one-person show that I did. And the other one is probably um, it's probably a short film that we both worked on. Well, I, we also both worked on the Mom Woman show. I produced it. Don't forget. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but go on but did I tell you how good I was in that one woman show? <laughs> It was about 43 minutes long. All right. And my overriding memory of our one disagreement was it was in the Belfast Festival. Um, it involved three and a half tons of water and you standing still for the entire show after a late decision by the director to cut all the movement. Mm -hmm. And I had thought, wouldn't it be easier for us to make some money back if we did two shows a day? And oh God, I remember. You, about two and a half weeks in, like said, the rehearsals. Said I'm not doing two. I'm not doing two of these a day. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you pushed it a bit, did you not? Yeah, You're like, I did. come on, I really think it's we should do two time, of these. It's the one time I think we've really not seen like idea about something. And uh, I remember you going, I'm not just, and you were just flat, like, I'm not doing it. And I was just in my head thinking of numbers going, yeah, it'd be really helpful if you did. <laughs> oh my God, I remember. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> Jesus, you were a slave driver. Um, yep. <laughs> I still stand by. I, there was no way. Oh, you were I totally was right. <laughs> you were 100% right. I couldn't have watched it twice a night. <laughs> anyway, this short film you were telling me about. Yeah. Like, Guard, which we only did a uh, year and a half, two years, isn't it? Uh, filmed February 2017. 
completed in May 2017. And again, it's just because it's the first time I've, um, I attempted anything like that, which was to write something and be in it myself. And um, it has flaws. It has problems. I, I generally can't really watch anything that I'm in back a lot anyway. I can watch it once, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the type of person that can go back and kind of like, you know, analyze and do it. I, can't, I just can't do that. So, um, but I'm sure if I was to go back and stuff, I'd, I'd be frustrated and I'd be disappointed and stuff in, in, in whatever bits I, th- I think where I dropped the ball as an actor or as a writer. But um, I still am really proud that I, says, that I said I was going to do that because I always wanted to do that and that we did it and delivered it and... Um, and we have that eye, and um, yeah, so that's probably so the other one. a couple of things are worth mentioning at this juncture. I've been chatting to you, going, how odd is it that I'm not acknowledging that I have a fair sense of your personal history, given that we've been together for 18 and some number of months, years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just comes up there because you brought up two projects you've worked on together. And I think it's worth me declaring that uh, I am your husband. You are my wife. <gasps> I know. Uh, <laughs> shocker. But I also think this is what possibly makes us a slightly different and therefore, by virtue of its difference, a, dare I say it, more interesting interview. For me... This is the first point at which you've said something that I genuinely didn't expect. I did not expect you to pick those two projects. And I'm just interested, um, given that you have done things, certainly that have been better known, that have had international audience, i.e. stuff on TV, that have won awards for other people involved, directors and producers, uh, and at big theatres in London. I'm just intrigued by those two choices and I guess the question is about how you characterise yourself as a performer. So I asked you specifically what two things identify define you. Is what defines you as a performer based on those two shows a kind of a um a kind of a independence? that an independent short film that you wrote and co-produced and a one-woman show. Neither of those are things that are, in the normal sense of theatre, huge collaborations with 11 actors and a director and a set designer. and a. Yeah, but I, I do think it is independence, but I have to say I think that's only come later in life now, that that's what it, that it's, it's something I'd have, I look for or want to kind of keep striving for um, with regards to work, but I but I think that's only come recently or in the last few years and stuff. I think as I was, I think when I was younger, I would have automatically gone to like, oh, my first job in London or my first job in like you know, um, like working at the Old Vic or um, or being on the TV. Um, the, but I've I've really just changed. That's not because they they were what they were. They were amazing opportunities, and and I enjoyed every second of them. And they helped 
they helped me as a performer. Like I know I learned loads on those jobs and I know they helped um, lead on to other work. But they weren't meaty roles that that challenged, like, you know, as in, I, I, it, they weren't like a, a one-woman show. I just had to go in every day and it was just up to me and I know it was, it was up to me to kind of <laughs> not fail at telling that story. And I felt like I was work, you know, that felt like work to me, like, you know, a long day kind of just pulling something apart and, and, and then delivering that, that felt like to me. And, and now that's the kind of work that I would, you know, love and, um, and doing something like art because they were, they were big tasks and, and I feel proud that, you know, I kind of undertook both of them and yeah, I would like to be independent and I would like to challenge myself and kind of rise to that challenge and I think that's I think that's the kind of things I'm looking to set myself like even going forward you know um I'm already thinking of like writing myself a one one woman show I know I have an idea I have a character that I want to um write about and, and play and so there must be something in that if that's where um my mind's going to at the minute um Maybe that's born out of like frustration that it's, you know, they're not coming from elsewhere or as often as I would like. But um, I think it's a good thing. Like it excites me and um, I want to keep attempting it. Okie doke. So I think that gives us a sense of how you got here and the kind of performer you are. I guess the things that then make us all the same as opposed to the things that make you stand out as an individual are the experiences we all go through and the things that over the course of three series now people have spoken honestly about and then people listening have got in touch to say yeah i'm that's my fucking life as well um because i know you're a listener to um the show and is that our dog it is our dog what's wrong with her I'll pause. Buy tickets to the best theatre in London the new way. With the Today Ticks app, getting great offers and access to exclusive tickets has never been easier. With Today Ticks Rush, you won't have to. Sorry, excuse me. I can feel that. Excuse me, sorry. With Today Ticks Rush, you won't have to queue at the box office for hours to get day seats and you can access big savings with their lotteries. Download Today Ticks, the theatre ticket app, from the App Store and Google Play and see theatre differently. Sorry about that. Sorry if you've been a little bit blocked up. I'm, I'm on the man. Don't worry about it, guys. I'm, I'll be here in a fortnight. Don't worry. The question I was going to ask you is, as someone who has listened to the podcast, what are the moments for you that scream out when you think about it that kind of stand out as being the moments of identification of, yeah, that's how I feel about that? It doesn't have to be specifics necessarily. It can be just the types of things. Because um, in many ways, then, I suppose that'll help me um, decide the direction one of the, of the big chat. ones, just in terms of I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Or and I'm and I was so and so glad to find out this not just me was probably uh, Sinead Matthews running down the street laughing at how <laughs> how bad she thought she was laughing at her own shitness yes. I think is the quote 
after an audition um, was just brilliant to hear, just absolutely glorious to hear as much as I don't want her to ever feel like she was shit and I'm sure she wasn't but that feeling of 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 coming out and not nailing it and thinking you played it wrong you, not only did you play it wrong you played it horribly wrong like not, you not even that you played it wrong worse. you were just shit you, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's, the choices are neither here nor there what was really troubling was that you just weren't any good I have a strange strange like fascination and enjoyment with hearing hearing about auditions going hor- horribly wrong like in a in a way that it just makes me feel like really good it's like a nervous energy thing like I like people being honest about auditions I hate people and we all know people that just always say it goes well or just refuse to open up and stuff and I, I, I just I like hearing about how sometimes it just doesn't go but they well. always go well for you right I mean, yeah, no, totally. Um, no, I, I'm trying to, I can't even think of like uh, specifics. Just, I mean, it would just be like the usual, just uh, just coming out and thinking, fuck, like this, the scene clicking whenever you leave. And then, and then you think back to the way that you played it and it couldn't have been more wrong because you've just sussed out what it was and you don't know why your brain went the first place that it did but holy shit now they now they'll remember you so as the girl what that's about. <laughs> yeah. or it always happens too whenever if you've been for a role on tv and then you watch the person that got it and they play it and you go oh that was much easier than i made what it they were looking for you know <laughs> I, um, I made it so much more difficult <laughs> yeah for myself yeah um and that's not to say that they were looking for that and that's and and I like to think that we're all being very hard on ourselves and that sometimes we come out thinking we played it horribly wrong and we probably didn't. Like, it could have just been something different. They might have been still enjoyed it. You, you, we'll never know. But, um, but yeah, at hear, hearing that from one of the other interviews was just just a big relief. And like, someone you know, as great as Sinead as well. Exactly. Um, so you don't enjoy auditions, I think. Is that what we're thrusting at or do you? Um, I go through waves like it's never it's never one thing uh, it's not I, I, I've never been like you know someone who enjoyed them or didn't or doesn't it I uh, I used to love them when I just like graduated like um, I just actually like got a got a buzz out of them because because to me it was uh, I knew that for 10 or 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever I was going to be in the room with a director and a chance to act captive and, audience of one yeah, and that was I. I loved that. That that didn't um, like deter me or anything. That, that was. I remember. I remember getting an adrenaline high and um, really enjoying it. Like w- walking into the room and thinking, you know, this is this is a chance to show them and show them what I what I can do with this piece. Um, and then it's probably as the years go on and you go through more periods of not working that I think I kind of started to hit them a little bit or or worry and it was probably letting it was probably you know second guessing myself am I, am I making the right choice with this one and that's when the enjoyment goes out when you start to doubt your choices or oh am I right for this you know doubting yourself you know let them do that but uh, you know sometimes we do that to ourselves and they will. but exactly <laughs> oh they definitely will but um 
I let that creep in and now I quite like self-tapes as much as they can be grounds for divorce between you know a lot of couples <laughs> um and <laughs> this is a this thing. is a weird weird way this to find is a out thing. this is a thing on twitter people people talk I about this, this in couples because if you're an actor and you happen to have a partner who can Hello. who can help you do the self-tapes this is a thing everyone talks about how it can almost cause you know it, it's it's frustrating especially if it's actually i don't even think if the other person has to be an actor it can be hard hard if they're an actor because they know what you're going through and they're trying to help and they're trying to give you direction but then I have a friend who does it with a partner who isn't an actor and they like to direct her also and I think that would be even worse because you're just like what, what, why are you See, I quite it? like being in a acting couple because I quite like the moments where we're doing a self-tape and you'll go maybe do it where yeah, I know I, what you mean. There's and there's days and there's takes and there's scenes when you can do it, but then sometimes when they're hard and you're not getting it, and then the, your other partner is trying to help you, and you can see that they're also thinking, "No, you're not getting it," and they're helping you yeah. that you get re- even more frustrated because you're going, "No, don't you, don't you lose it? <laughs> don't you get frustrated with me?" I know, I know, I'm not getting it, or I know I haven't got it the the, the way I want yet, and we're on take, you know, yeah. one hundred. But don't get me wrong, I think, I think if you've got partner who can help you do the self-tapes they're great and I'm starting to enjoy them more because I'm starting to realize how much more in control we are and it's great that you can just get ready in your own bedroom and walk into the living room and you know and do them you're I I think they're I do think they're better I think we're all doomed everybody wins I do think that everybody wins I know there are people that maybe don't but for me I just think it's brilliant because you get it (laughs) someone said to me the other day yeah, but you don't get to meet the director. And I was like, I know, it's that fucking class. <laughs> you don't get to piss them off. Or since when, let when them has that think ever helped? <laughs> Maybe it's just us two. We're just dickheads. When has that, that ever helped? Like... Oh, you want me to do... Oh, because I, I was... Because yeah. I'm actually better if you don't meet me. Because normally this ends with me running down the road laughing at my own shitness <laughs> once you get involved. So maybe if I just, you know, can maintain the fallacy that I'm right about this for as long as possible. Yeah. Um, getting the job. An agent we both know, uh, Mr. Patrick Punkin. Uh, once, Is that who it was? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Patrick Punkin of Dealers Agency NI way back when said to me Jonathan you know the only time an actor's ever truly happy (laughs) it's not a joke he actually sounds like that but he's got to you can't let him hear this he'll love it he he knows it's all in good good faith Uh, Jonathan the only time an actor's ever truly happy is in the five minutes after they get the call and then the self-doubt kicks in do you recognize any of that in yourself? And if it's not self-doubt after five minutes, what kind of things bring you down from that high, if anything? Um, I never recognized that. And, you know, I listened to the um, podcast, but I, it, and I used to try and think, am I lying to myself? But getting the call, getting the job meant rehearsals 
we're about to start. And I love rehearsals, like, and I, I, to me, that's the like, you know, the fun part. This is a sweet spot. Yeah. Mm. So it never made sense to me that that that, and I know people did agree, you know, do agree with it. Um, to me, it would be more uh, as you kind of approached opening night. It would be more those those are the times that that would be more stressful when you start to go through that kind of um, awful last second last week of rehearsals where nothing everything starts falling apart instead of coming together and um you know it, it, it's more yeah those the, the, those were the times when I think as an actor I'm probably you know um more doubtful or um not happy as that but never never in that in those five minutes I just, just delighted if it's a if it's a, a job you really wanted and you've landed and now you get to start actually creating it and you know working on it and you get to meet the like the team I love you know the sense of a team like the sense of finding out who else is working on it and the fact that you're going to be collaborating yeah. and stuff and then about like, three weeks in you've worked out who the psychopaths are and you wish yeah I guess there's a there's a kind of when you when you start thinking about everyone else and you start thinking oh shit am I the shit one or you know things like that sinking but it was never it was never off putting it was never like not happy it was still something I was gonna like you know it's still something I really enjoyed, so um, I get that, and I get how other people, other actors, can feel like that. But it was never something I experienced. So, have you ever experienced that thing of going through a job once it's opened, uh, everybody starts thinking about when they're next unemployed and how that's going to be solved? Oh God, yeah, and. The, then when everybody starts coming in and, you know, the first person says, oh, cool, I've got an audition. And they say, oh, got it. I'm starting like the day after we finish. And then somebody else like two two days later goes, yeah, yeah, I've got the thing starting a week after we finish. So it's great. I'm going to try and get a wee five day holiday in Mallorca. And then a couple of other people have stuff three weeks hence and four weeks. And maybe you don't. Like, yeah. I've experienced that on theatre jobs and filming jobs. I don't think it's something we should do to each other. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk and we shouldn't kind of like inform each other and stuff, but I think we are all aware how that does make other people feel if they if they don't have something lined up afterwards. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I'm all I just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've experienced it. In, on that subject um, then, because it's kind of, it's glaring at me, social media. It's one of the things that this series, I think I've chatted about a few more times, and it's something, as you know, that I still struggle with in terms of, like, how's the best way to do it, or should we even bother, or is it worthwhile? And I think you've got quite a good attitude to social media and that you haven't really ever been a big poster or sharer of work? I think in the early days I was when I first kind of like joined things like Twitter and stuff. Um, I just got caught up in watching everyone else do it and I think that's what we do at first. You just And I thought that that's how it worked. You had to publicise everything in order to be taken seriously, in order to be, um, you know, considered good, you know, it, it, and it's it probably... If you continue down that discussion, it probably <laughs> leads into all that, you know, casting directors checking um, Twitter, Twitter, r -r 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 followers, numbers. Um, 
but um, I then I soon kind of just grew out of it and just realized I was really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable with like, um, and I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying people feel different about it. I just think there's different personalities and there's people cope with it in different ways. And it was never something that was um, every any time I did promote something or try to try to look like I was busy. I just felt sick and 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 thought, oh, people can see through that as someone trying to look like they're busy, you know. Um, so I just stopped doing it, and I've been happier ever since. Um, and I started to work. I, it kind of coincided with this the the podcast, but I think we need to all be a little bit careful about each other too. And I think we have a responsibility to each other to not, uh, you know, create that illusion of. Um, everything is awesome but um yeah so that's why I'm also just not very comfortable with the <laughs> which is why I said this is my worst nightmare right so um, so, so th- it's this, probably as it, I think that's why it's personality this is interesting to me because I think there are Tom Goodman Hill said way back in 2015 that he's always deeply suspicious of those actors I can't remember the exact words, but basically those actors that love the limelight. Mm. He's always deeply suspicious of those overconfident sorts. It's fair to say, I think, as someone who knows you very well, I know, that you really don't like the limelight. Mm. That you've always been someone who has said you're fine delivering someone else's lines, not so good if it's down to you to decide what to say. So on those occasions when you have been asked to go back to St. Louise's and speak, or you have been asked to do other things like that, you've always found it incredibly, weddings. incredibly difficult. Yeah, that you're the family member who gets asked to do yeah. readings. Funerals and weddings. Yeah. I do a great line in funerals and weddings. So. Because you're the actor and they ask you to get up. So what? What do you think that is? That how, I don't feel how, comfortable? Yeah, how, how is it that you actively chase down opportunities to stand in front of a thousand people because because that's not me standing in front of a thousand people i do think there is something psychologically within actors wanting to be someone that that isn't them i i totally think that's something to do with the fact that psychologically why we're attracted to the job i think there's a thrill seeker kind of part that we're attracted to of the job. And I and I also think that there must be a certain personality that is attracted to playing a thousand different people. Like why be one person when you can be a million different types? And that must say something psychologically, you know, not being comfortable. Not I do I think I'm comfortable in my own skin, but we're obviously attracted to escapism and we're obviously uh attracted to playing roles and that's what I think that's what if you go back to what Tom says in terms of um someone loving the limelight <laughs> then to me that's not the, the the job I think we we aren't comfortable being ourselves maybe that's a bit too strong but we obviously enjoy being other people okay so at this point, the kind of where the interview would normally go is me asking you what's the longest you've ever gone without a job. But I guess given that what we've just been speaking about, I think the question before that is, do you think 
that not getting opportunities to explore those other possibilities, to be those other people, to to escape from yourself. Have you found those periods difficult because of those? Like, yeah, totally. My my dad actually no, said it first without me even working it out. And um and this is a man who has no interest in acting. Um, I was going to say no interest in the arts. That's wrong. That's not. He's, he loves music and stuff. He's just not into theatre and film and TV. Um, and yet he would actually cross the road to avoid watching you in a theatre. He would. To be fair, he always says it, it was because he just he'd be so nervous. You know, he he doesn't understand why I would put myself through that. He did say, I don't understand why you would put yourself through that, and he wouldn't be able to sit in a seat watching because the whole time he'd just be thinking, oh shit, don't let it go wrong for it. Like, so I get that. That's that's the type of person he is. But but he and I just presumed he didn't. Get it. I, I presumed he loved letting me do what I do, um, but I didn't know that he kind of understood it until um, we were talking about someone that I knew, a friend, I can't even remember who it was because it was years ago, and he asked how they were getting on and when was the last time they acted, and I said not, not for, I think, I think it's been a year, year and a half, two years. They haven't, they haven't been employed, and I'm trying to remember the way he phrased it because he just hit the nail on the head. But he said, "Well, how does he get to express himself then, or 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 something like that? You know, so how does that affect him? Because obviously he's not getting an 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 outlet, or or I can't. I wish it. I, I wish remember I remember the right words. Expressing, expressing but I remember just familiar. being baffled and bowled over that this." you know, man who I just assumed had no interest, that that, that wasn't the case. He, it wasn't for him, but he still he still got it and he still understood what it meant to artists and he still understood how it made us feel. And he, and, and it made me realise, like, after all these years, he understood why I wanted to, to do it as a, so as how a does, job. How and does I was not like, to make you feel? Um, frustrated, sad... Um, this was for a while, but I have to say it's it's changed for me as I've got older because I've started to write. So well, you started to write quite a while ago, but yeah, but it took a while. <laughs> like I don't think I was I don't think I was that comfortable with it at the start. I was actually really nervous about doing something else. So it did. It still took a few years for me. To become comfortable with that so the writing writing has really helped and but but before yeah I would be I would be someone who would be really down when um I wasn't working and um and it wasn't to do with the financial aspect of it because you'd be, no, you'd be mean, working doing other things making money other ways exactly but. I'd, I'd be back in the cafes and stuff like working so I was probably still just making the same, roughly the same amount of money, so it wasn't work. You know, I was I could go back to a job where I could um, pay the bills just about, but um, it wasn't that. It was that was not what I wanted to do. That was because you do it. It does something. It shouldn't, but the longer you go without working and the longer you go without being creative, 
you start to like fester or like you and and it becomes you become really frustrated and that's just not not a not a good place I think as it goes as it goes on I'd like to think that we all kind of learn coping mechanisms because it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that and it doesn't mean that you're a shit actor and it doesn't mean you've lost your acting ability you know the longer that it goes on but those are the things that go through your head when you aren't acting and I was very much I was very much like be really pissed off really down not in the mood for things because you know in your head you're going am I shit have I lost my ability (laughs) it hasn't magically just you know kind of disappeared and those are those are not nice thoughts and they're not true yeah so what's the longest you've gone without an acting job oh i don't know specifically but i'd hazard a guess at like over a year i can't remember and in those periods have you ever considered giving up um yeah but very briefly like I said in my head and then I know and then I kind of laugh and go what the fuck are you gonna do but that's a new thing because I remember certainly going back five six seven more years that that would never have yeah I think there's there's this thing right about have you ever considered giving up I remember like starting off it was almost like do you remember people used to say to you, if you've even considered? Someone said that in the, I think Simon Darwin said that in series one. If you've that, even considered it, then you might as well give up. And I, I think that's room, wrong. I was in the room going, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, like, it became a thing to me, like, I, I was I was actually trying to keep the phrase out of my head, like, almost as if it appeared in my head, like, you know, it's like the devil appeared or something like oh shit I thought it I thought it and I didn't mean to think it and that means I have to give up like it, it's a real scare tactic and I don't think it's true because we're not all the same we're not we don't all have the same relationship with it we all have different relationships and it's okay to sometimes on a bad day think should I give up why why is this a big kind of like you know oh shit you thought it it's 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 over now like I don't think we should be putting those kind of um strains on ourselves we should let our minds go where our minds want to go because you bounce back the next day and you go I was just having a bad day or something's come in or it's up it's up to you I, I think it's okay to think it and when I say I don't I've never really thought it that much and I've never really thought about giving up that seriously I think we're we're all lying. We are. You, you, we're lying if you don't say it's popped into your head and you've just considered to go. What would my life be if I wasn't doing this? Sorry, and, we, sorry, I wasn't listening. There, I was thinking about giving up. Was it? Then that's okay. Okay, we're okay. But you should. No, I'm joking. Should it? <laughs> no. Is this what this is about? No, you shouldn't. It's okay to think it. It's okay for anyone to think it, but it's not some taboo statement that if an actor you know, utters it, then it comes true. I've told my agent I'm quitting like three times and meant it. In fact, I love telling the story of the time that I went to lunch with him and told him I was quitting and he pulled out a post-it note with some opportunities for them. <laughs> and I was like, see, if you're going to reduce down the possible opportunities that I have, yeah. 
I'm sure there's to like a post-it note. <laughs> I'm sure there's amazing actors doing really mm. well, successful ones that did, did not only thought about quitting but did quit, like you know, a few times. And yeah. so it's not. I don't think we should give that statement or that thought the weight that it carries amongst actors. I just love to get rid of it. It's just stupid. Let it, let people's minds. All think right, what it they was think. a good question at the time. I was just trying to open a Sorry, discussion. It was a good question. It just hit a nerve, and I just, I just don't like. Very hard on me and my questions. Sometimes. It's all about you. It's just about the... um, so tell me about writing, because it seems from what you said that, and again, this isn't something that we talk about a lot, and that we would ever sit and have these conversations about. Um, so while you were talking there, it seems that something's shifted in the past three or four years or maybe even more recently than that that if I'd asked you five years ago my sense is that if I'd said Bruna are you an actor writer or a writer <laughs> actor and I, I think you definitely have said you're an, you were an actor writer mm -hmm. and I remember one occasion chatting about something and you said that you know that you loved acting more mm -hmm. and that way you really loved writing you just always, always would love acting more. Has that, have those two things shifted? Are you um, now a writer, actor? No, I don't think I'll ever call myself a, a writer, actor. It, and I don't know whether that's to do with the fact that I was always an actor first. So I feel like a fraud if I was to suddenly elevate my writing like status to like, I don't know the same, I don't know. It's a weird one. I, I'll always be an actor, writer. Um, uh, because writing came out of acting, and it'll like it, it'll I'll always, I'll always have acting to thank for being a writer. Okay. So, um, I have a question, which is, uh, what has being a writer taught you about being an actor, or what has it illuminated in terms of the status of actors? or the kinds of things that actors do that are amazing and the kinds of things that actors do that are fucking stupid and piss people off. Like, what have you learned from being in those rooms at ITV and Channel 4 and BBC? the fucking words that's on the page in front of them. No, I'm joking. No, go ahead. This <laughs> no, is a good, no, 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 this is good. A, no, that's a crap one. I'm just saying that that's for, for, you know, as like an actor doing like script readings, and like, you know, just sight readings, if you were doing like a table read of something that you were asked to come in and you haven't seen the script before. And obviously you're, you know, there's the odd word or something that you don't say as an actor. You're, you go, well, like, I think I got most of that. Like, you know, right, I might, I might have missed the odd word or two. And it's just so funny being a writer on the other side of that. Now and you're like, they missed the word. They missed the word. They and you get the rhythm. Yeah. That wasn't as funny. <laughs> wasn't how it was written but um no that those are just stupid things um your position in the industry is different as right? a writer yeah your position is so different so you get uh, as a telly writer you get a little you just got more clout or more you know even when you go into rooms people people want very, your ideas and people want it's very simple though not it's 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 very as i've just come to realize they just need, because they're after the script, they want the script. Nothing can happen until they've got the script. So they're after this little thing, <laughs> this little big thing. Um, so that's, 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 that's it because it's the start of it. Then it's the start of it. You know, it's the start of something, something begins 
And everyone then starts bringing all these amazing things to the table on top of that, to build on top of that. So, yeah, you might might feel a little bit more important, but it's purely because they want something out of you, you know, they need something out of you. And it's a nice feeling because you can, you know, provide it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever become comfortable. I think I'll always just be the actor that's in the, the, the writing room. Um, I've had limited experience with like, you know, sitting in on auditions or watching audition tapes and I'm just not up to it because I watch it as an actor. I don't watch it as a, as a writer. Um, I, and I end up just feeling really, oh shit, or, you know, for the actor and, oh, I think they could have got that with, you know, I, I think with an acting head on, haven't been in that position a million times myself and then I also I don't think I'm up to listening to the producer comments and stuff you know amongst it it can be quite hard as an actor so um I think maybe I'll work on that maybe I'll get better as as I continue to write but um do you think acting has helped you as a writer I mean you said that it came out of acting do you think it's helped you be a better writer and I'm not sure it's a follow-on question, but it's a it's a related question, which is, um, do you think people that you meet in the industry, producers and stuff, do they respect your acting less than your writing? Do they respect you more as a writer because you're an actor? Like, I don't how know. do they how do they work with those that double identity? How do they manage that? I it's something I don't know. I kind of don't want to think about it too much. Some producers I work with seem to be aware that I've, I'm an actor and have seen things and mention it, and that's lovely. And I'll always go, do they mean that? Or do they mean I should stick to the writing? Or do they mean, you know, that, that all plays in my head. Some, I don't even know if they're aware that, I'm, you know, some have just met me as a writer, and I don't even know if they know that I'm an actor as as well. So, um, But it does play on a paranoia that I have that... Um, that they have an opinion that I'll be better at one than the other. And it shouldn't be the case. But I, I did that to my myself, you know. In the early stages, I was, I was afraid of telling people I was another... Th- I, tried, I tried to enact in auditions. I tried to just pretend that I wasn't writing on top of that, even though during acting jobs in the theatre... I was, you know, on stage, but like in between shows, I was like writing an episode of something up in the in the dressing room, but not letting on to anyone that that's what I was doing. So like, you know, the director and stuff's walking in and I'd just be, and they were like, oh, your laptop's in again today. I was like, yeah, no, I'm just messing around on the laptop. But like, try, like, like it was a bad like, thing. I don't, I don't. There's also I, something. I had this thing that they were going to go, oh, she's not serious about the acting. She's writing a TV episode during during the matinee and the evening there's, performance. There's also something, and I have it with, uh, you know, say people who don't know about this podcast and they say, you know, uh, what else do you do? And I say, oh, like, uh, I have this a podcast, a podcast, and you know that they assume the show's shit and it has, <laughs> and it has four listeners, right? And And it's like whenever... I was, eyes glaze over. Yeah, whenever I was like 26 or something, I went to Prague with a work thing and I got business cards that said Jonathan Harden, actor, director, producer. <laughs> and Can you get more on there? And to be fair, like the, at that stage, I didn't really have one that was any greater than the others. They were all pretty mediocre. But like, I think we all have a natural thing, which is when someone introduces themselves as more than one profession. Yeah, I think it's changing. 
I yeah, do totally, think it's changing, but, but, but that's a recent thing. But like, um, I mean, uh, as with the podcast thing, and people go, it's like, you know, I've got a blog. <laughs> sure you do. Uh, it must be a bit like, I write. You must see people go, <laughs> I, th- I do. sure it. you do. I, I know I probably do it. I know I meet people and they probably tell me they're two things. And I go, really? I think we just all need to shift our brain into realizing that we can do more than one thing. But, and I think it's going that way because I think we're seeing more and more of it happen on 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 the stage on the TV and we're in awe of those people and then we aspire to, to be those people our, ourselves. Um, but there definitely was a time and it wasn't that long ago that we were all really dubious and really, you know, skeptical of someone that said they did two jobs in the arts because it's like, well, hold on, you can only have one. So what are you? And we were really obsessed with putting pigeonholes. I met when, when, when I try, when I started writing, I met actors that, you know, had met me and said, oh, I hear you've given up acting and started writing. And I was just like, what? Who said that? Who decided that? And what? And why must it be just, you know, one thing? Because the two and things were, can't possibly they were coexist. Me with their eyes and with their words. So but you've given up now, haven't you? And I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'd like to think that we're all moving towards being a bit more supportive and encouraged by it. And I think it's a really good thing. I would encourage anyone to try something else that they're interested in if it's you know available to them why not because i think it helps Mm. makes you anything that helps you keep going and survive and pay your bills without losing hope it's got to be a good thing exactly and even if it's not even helping you pay the bills but as your dad said if it's helping you express yourself express yourself while you do the thing that you hate to pay the bills yeah then at least with writing, you can get it out of your system on your own without, any, without anybody paying anyone, you know. I suppose that takes us into a kind of final third of sorts. And that final third is really more reflective um, and has to do with the things that have been learned along the way. Um, I guess the the biggest of these is about advice so have you ever had advice from other actors older or contemporaries or even younger that stood out and that you've used again and again um (laughs) i remember um being in a production um of dancing at lunasa and an older member of the cast was side stage with me waiting to go on we'd had our beginners call and we were waiting to go on and they were they were really struggling with nerves at the side of the stage they looked um quite stressed quite and i remember looking at them and saying you've been doing this for years and they said it never gets easier <laughs> i just thought oh shit like why don't tell me that like um that stood out not, i'm not saying i took it on board and stuff but it does always pop into my head like the, that it might not ever get easier and maybe that's just not maybe that's not to do with stage right maybe that's just in general like as life as as the business like as, as the business on a whole we have to be aware that it might not get easier but 
if it's what we want to do and if there are if it's providing us with moments of fulfillment and joy then fuck it why not like why not why that I think that's that's a good life if you're getting if you're getting moments of joy and achievement and fulfillment I'll take that you know okay it's not the easiest it's not gonna it's not on a trajectory where it's uh your money's going up uh it gets easier you're getting promoted but you're working less yeah your company car gets nicer (laughs) your office gets bigger but fuck it who wants normal like you know um I'm shit at remembering advice, which is probably why I'm, I never have it to give out. Um, so I just, if there's something you want to try, do it. If there's something in your head that you've wanted to attempt, whether it's add another string to your bow or whether it's do your own show or whether it's write yourself, the, you know, anything, fuck it just do it honestly it's life's too short and when you're out the other side it's you know the achievement and 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 it just leads on to the next one and you know it creates a hunger and it's it's i just think why sit in fear and why sit by the phone just waiting because that's misery you might as well attempt who, who gives a fuck if you feel everyone will, you know, who's going to talk about bit. it? Everyone's, Everyone's too, too busy, busy and wrapped up in their, up own, their, own, in their own world. Attempt the things you want to attempt. Yeah, just go for it. Like, I know that's a very general one, but it's just one that's come out of me. <laughs> go for uh, it, like. Yeah, just go for it, like. Um, just because it's just come out of, like, my kind of um, work because... It has led me to somewhere I never thought I would be. I, ne- I never thought I would be writing as well as acting. And I just, I went fuck it and tried it once. And I would just encourage anyone to kind of try that if there's something that you've thought like you might be good at. And but do it and go for it and do it and right. go for it, yeah, do it 100%. Get hard. It's scary, don't get me wrong. It's so scary. At the start, you might even think, what the fuck have I started? Because you might think that you've, you know, kind of shot yourself in the foot. You, you have a bit of advice, which you don't even know you have to give here, which is... Uh, <laughs> You're going to tell me my own advice. Yeah, it's. I mean, you've given me advice over the years, which has stuck with me, which... Um, Maybe I am good at advice. You do good, give, give good advice. But there's something about writing, actually, which, which in terms of your bugbears about people, um, whenever they say... I'm writing this thing and it turns out they've written like two scenes out of a thing and they're already <laughs> and they're already telling everybody about it, you know, like it's finished. Yeah, don't do that. You know, that kind of stuff of like, go for it, do it. Yeah, do it. Uh, the first, Finish it. I remember handing something in in the very early days of writing to a TV producer and making a million excuses, um, which I've learned to stop doing. Um, oh, it's, it's, it needs work, and it, there's. It, it, I'm gonna cut it down, and it's probably it probably won't even look like that when I do the next draft. And do you know what? There's a, it's actually a bit shit. Actually, it's a lot shit, and it's not even. That's not even what's gonna happen in it. Actually, eventually, and I just kept on going on, and she just kind of told me to shut up, and she said, "You've done the one thing the majority of people don't do, 
And I was like, what, what's that, hand in a shit script? And she was like, no, you've handed in a completed script. It's got a start, it's got a middle, and it's got an end. You've finished it and you've handed it in. And you don't understand, but so many people don't get to that point. And that's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's that's the hard bit. Pushing to the end is yeah, the hard really bit. It's really easy to have an idea and talk about oh, it in the public. Pod. Don't do that to people. Please don't do that to people. Oh God, I hate that. And it happens a lot if you kind of tell people that you're a writer. I've had so many people Will you pitch. Read my script? No, not even that. Just, Just pitch start it. telling me from start to finish what happens in the film, in the feature film. So it opens on a. Should I not do that? Then? On a, please don't do that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, please don't do that. I, I, did that to you. I did that to you like a week and a half ago. You do that to me all the time. But that was a good idea. <laughs> so, there's a guy the loading stuff into the back of a van. The only reason I can listen is because yours are right? usually short films. Loading stuff into the back of a van and no, then he knocks out. don't. I've had people do this and they talk me through shot by shot, scene by scene it. of the film. You don't get it. That's never, that's not even right. You just don't get it. You're not ready for it. I it's know. Better right, stick it down it's on fine. paper. See? <sighs> okay. Um, would your younger self consider you successful? Um, a lot of these answers I think have just shifted in my head recently. So before I probably would have done the whole no, not at all. I'm not doing any of the things bullshit. that I ever thought. So no, hold it is. On. I don't know. What it, that's, what's, that's what I'm about to say. But, it but, is bullshit. But, but I'm recently, going to get this more because I know you're about. I know you're about to say recently it's changed, right? Yeah. And I'm interested to see how. But going back then, what did your 18 year old self expect? Like even what did the 13 year old self expect? And what did the 21 year old self who got the first gig working with people that she'd been seeing on stage in Belfast? What did those two versions of you expect? from a career as an actor like non-stop work I thought that was a possibility non-stop work I thought like you could literally just become someone that would go from job to job be that well be that good that well respected that the work would just flow that way because because like an undertaker could (laughs) non-stop work yeah undertakers that's it That's, that is what I, as naive as that was, but like, let's be honest, we all, we're not, there's not like, you know, I did a ex- lot of people I, do I did think, think that. I think that was, yeah, you're totally right, I did think so that was a possibility. I don't think we should make each other, uh, make, yeah, ourselves feel bad for what we thought when we were 18, and I did think that, so, and that is not, that's not what happened, so, just like, you know, on paper, that's why I would, my 18 year old self be like, oh, that's not what. I thought it would be, but now I think, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. (laughs) If your 18-year-old self was in the audience at St. Louise's and you stood on the stage. I'd be surprised. I think I'd be surprised because there's something, there's an element in there that I I never thought. What are the things about you that would surprise your 18 year old self? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like, how I am as a person? Well, you just or? said that your 18 year old self would be surprised. Oh, I think at, right, I think at writing, I think at being, being also having a job that is at a different part of the process. As my 18 year old self, I just wanted to act and I was happy 
with that thought. I just wanted to be the actor that came in when the script was ready. I never even thought about scripts and what went into them, you know, at that age. It just, it was never going to be something that I did. I love stories and I sure, love storytelling. Sure, honey, story give me the Sure, honey. Yeah, just pass totally. Over the That's all I wanted. I wanted to come in at the rehearsal stage and do all the what I thought was just the creative bit, not realizing that there were many creative, you know, parts to the kind of whole machine. So if you told me as I was sitting at school, especially as someone that just didn't really like a- academia, like it was just um, that I was writing, you know, 30-minute, 60-minute scripts that were being handed in, produced, and appearing on telly on top of being on top of being an actor, that would have just, I would have been like, yeah, no, it's not me. It's definitely not me who's not exactly pulling in the grades here at school. Like, you know, wasn't doing too badly, but I wasn't doing brilliantly. I was just, like, getting by and... The fact that you'd tell me that I was like, you know, sitting at a computer each day and hitting deadlines and handing them into a thing, I'd just be like, you're right. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah, right. Um, if you could go back and offer that, let's say, um, 21-year-old, let's say the young actress graduating from university and getting her first job, if you could go back to her and offer her some advice for the intervening uh, 17 years, what kind of things might you say to her? I'd say take more risks. And, and I mean that on loads of different levels. Don't, don't uh, live your life not getting tattoos and not cutting your hair and not colouring your hair and not doing anything that you want to do because you've been told as an actor you need to keep your long hair with no marks. Not like don't Fucking you know preach. Don't <laughs> Yes Queen. Yeah um, fucking preach. Don't live like that. Live your life. The acting jobs will be fine if you have happen to have her die in if you happen to you know what whatever it is I can't even think it but I know that as actors we sometimes don't do things and try to keep ourselves as a canvas and you know you want to be seen for all these parts don't you want to keep your hair just so that they can do anything with it should they need to be able to do it because the chances are none of that's working for you if you walk in as you that's probably doing more Especially in the room. Especially in 2019. Yeah, that's probably doing more in a room. They're probably seeing the real you. You're probably more comfortable. Just just, just take more risks. Do, do what you want to do, you know. It's good advice. Um, I second that. Take more risks as in, this is a, a weird one, but if you, don't always take the safe option. If you feel like taking a risk as in, turning down the reliable job because you're you want to go for the bigger one and stuff i feel bad saying that because no because sometimes that that it doesn't i have regrets about those things you know i have big regrets about those things so so don't have the regrets that's hard it is hard i think maybe that one lends itself to having regrets either way so maybe that's not great but i guess it's always those are the kind of things all these bits of advice come through the the kind of the weird kaleidoscope of personal experience. Yeah, and, it depends and, what's happening to you, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So if, if those things have paid off, then you go, yeah, fuck it. Whereas if they haven't and you've ended up spending two or three years kicking yourself over not taking a job that could have led to something massive, then your advice is likely to be the opposite. So I guess that's why those bits of advice are difficult. Have a life. Get involved in things. Don't just tunnel vision yourself as an actor that only has actor mates, that only this goes to, to see plays, that only goes to acting podcasts. Play a sport. Like, you know what I mean? Go on holidays with your mates. You, you, can ha- you can have both and it's important to have both so that you're not just a, you know, a 40, 50 year old actor who didn't actually do much with their, you know, their life, like didn't go to their family and friends things, kept themselves free just, just in case that job came in. And you it know? never did. Exactly. Go play football on a Tuesday night. Go whatever. Like go just have a have a life. And I wish I'd done that more when I was younger. Although we we just become obsessed when we're younger, and all we want to do is hang around with actors single, and talk about single acting. Single mindedness, and, and it kind of pays off in a way, I guess, to a point. Yeah. But at some at some point, then, what, as you get older, not, you realize, yeah. as your friends who think you're living the dream, um, and think you have everything, seem to have a hell of a lot more, and not financially, but just in terms of groups of friends and common interests and yeah that would be a big one um would that 21 year old look at what you're doing now and offer you any advice or rather as they put it to other people remind you of anything yeah probably not to be so hard on myself i don't think i ever was that hard on myself when i was younger i think that came over the years i used to be very confident in myself and not confident I, I probably was never a confident person but not as hard on myself like I think that's fair yeah I think it's really fair I think when I was younger certainly I'd have a hell I'd a hell of a lot more to be hard on myself about <laughs> yeah but we're not and somehow I've ended up harder on myself as when you're older yeah. as I get older yeah I suppose it's only natural like um, but definitely, if you were to have a conversation with your younger self, they'd be like, wise the fuck up. Just fucking go and do stuff. Just do stuff. Do stuff. Take risks. Do stuff. They probably would also wonder why we were sitting doing a podcast on a Saturday night. Because we're off drink. That's why. <laughs> yeah. And also, this is fucking rock and roll. This is like 2019. This is winning at the game of life. Pie to water. On <laughs> podcast. Dog sleeping. Come on. Um, Alrighty, so we're very nearly done. Um, There are tons of things I could have asked that I didn't and that I'm sure people would be like, why didn't you ask on that bit where you were talking about stage fright of an older actor if you've ever suffered from stage fright? Why didn't you ask blah, blah, blah? But I can't ask everything. And as time moves on with these, I've decided to ditch the beat sheets and think, where do I want this to go? And in terms of where I'd like this to end, I guess it's very much as with the rest of them uh, in those little nuggets of advice. And also, because um, I know that both of us get extremely frustrated with the industry and things that go on and, and that change is tectonic and that although we're getting there, we're getting there extremely slowly, I think. 
as a kind of a final little moment, I wondered if there was anything in the industry that if I was to imaginatively appoint you queen, dictator, uh, supreme leader, president, whatever, what kind of things in our industry would you like to see changed? With a click of your fingers, click of your heels. Um, I would like funding not to be taken away from the working class or the people that can't afford to pay for their own training, pay for schemes, pay for classes. I don't want it to become an industry that's only available to those that can afford it. So it would it's a very general one in terms before it's stuck on into like, you know, what it would entail and stuff, but that's not I, your problem. I, you just issue the dictate. I, yeah, that, you have minions I worry, to look I after worry, detail. I worry that that's what's happening because I see it happening and I see, uh, yeah, a certain class becoming less and less. You know, when we when, when we were starting off and just even now, we, we, you know, talk about it becoming something that if you've got money or if you've got a family that can pay for you to do it, then those are the people that are more and more being able to do it. And I don't want that to be the case because there's talent in all areas, in all classes. And I think, and I just, yeah, I think it's really unfair. And I want it to be available to any child that wants to express themselves. Because can you imagine, can you imagine what, you know, how that feels if you, if where you're from or what your family can afford affects whether you get to do what we've been lucky to do and express ourselves and um yeah i i would like that to happen does that count yeah that's good that's good i mean i think that's pretty solid i can't see anybody objecting to that anything else you'd like to throw in um just for people to not pitch things that are two hours long in a pub. What is the fucking crap? If crack? you're in a pub, every time we sit down together, <laughs> we sat down to have lunch in a cafe two days ago, and we always <laughs> manage to sit, no matter where we are, it could be St. Leonard's, it could be Belfast, it could be London, we always manage to sit with an earshot of the guy, always a guy, <laughs> always a guy, with a really loud voice, pitching quite frequently American, pitching a script to somebody else who generally heard, stays silent. I heard the hook of that one. Did what you? was it? And she died in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I do want to hear the rest of that one. If you're going to pitch in public, just, just lower, start, don't broadcast it. Pitch, pitch, don't broadcast. Yeah. Just write it. Let them read it. And on that note, um, I have but one more question, and that is, are you in anything at the minute? No. <laughs> <laughs> Rona Taggart, it has been a pleasure. 
We should do this more often. I feel like it's ages since we've caught up. I know. Can we watch Netflix now? And that's it. Episode 10 with my wife, the glorious Bruna Taggart. I hope you enjoyed it. She definitely didn't. Uh, but as I've always said, the best people for this podcast are the ones who don't like talking about themselves and whose first instinct is to say, I have nothing really to say about that. Everybody else, the ones that email me, generally uh, white men in their 40s, like myself, well, soon to be, um, I just, if someone says, I would make a great interviewee for the Honest Actors podcast, I instantly know that that is not the case. And so um, I've been trying to get Bruno to do this for a long time. And as I said in the interview, a few things really genuinely surprised me. And, um, and I really, really enjoyed catching up with her in a way that I think couples don't do a lot of, to be honest. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it too. A little insight into a, a less than regular conversation in our home. Uh, episode 11, the sequel to episode 10, but no way related, uh, comes in a fortnight. I hope you'll enjoy that too. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.